you know this is not the news, but sometimes we get to share stories from some of the brave journalists working on the front lines. Our own Anna Sussman spoke to Gaith Abdullahad, an Iraqi-born war correspondent who's covered conflicts from Afghanistan to the Sudan. He works for the British paper, The Guardian. Anna spoke to Gaith after the revolutions that have come to be known as the Arab Spring. In the spring of 2011, Raith Abdullahad was in Libya, reporting on the rebels fighting a revolution against dictator Muammar Gaddafi. I spent a week in the mountains with the rebels. One night, he was staying with another journalist on the edge of rebel-controlled territory. That night, the owner of the safe house where we're staying comes into the room and says, they're looking for you. They know that there are journalists in this town. They're searching every single house. You have to leave my house. We beg him just to hide us for the night. And he says, no, I can't do this. I have a family. I have kids. You have to leave. So we leave. We stand in the middle of this town and in, in the darkness. And we can see the police kind of searching a house by house, like doing a big circle. There's this moment when you see them moving from one house to the other. You're telling yourself this is not happening. I'm there illegal. I'm there with the rebels. And I'm Iraqi. I don't have this brilliant passport to come get me out. And you realize it's a game over. This is not happening. It did happen. Gaddafi's secret service approached Gaith, apprehended him, pushed him into an unmarked truck, and dumped him into a damp prison cell. There was one light bulb. Sometimes they keep it on for two or three days. Sometimes they switch it off. A mattress on the concrete floor, you know, filthy, in a long corridor. As the days passed in the small cell, Gaith began to realize there was pretty much only one way he would ever get out of this prison. You know, after two or three days in the cell, uh, you, you, proper fear started getting in and anxiety. I mean, no one knows who, where I am. I saw the only way out is if the rebels managed to take over Tripoli. He's covered a lot of rebel movements, but the Libyan rebels and their fight against Gaddafi seemed somehow more relatable to him. They were regular people, taking up crude arms against a dictator who had been in power for 42 years. They were amazing. In Libya, you know, as a journalist, you can really see things in black and white. You see farmers, teachers, engineers fighting a regime, and they're fighting with, you know, really basic weapons. Handmade hunting rifles, you know, villagers, farmers versus uh, a military. As an Iraqi, he felt a kind of kinship, an understanding of the Libyan situation. In a way, yes, of course, I was welcoming this change. I, I was on the side of the change as an Arab, as an Iraqi. The guards in the prison were severe. He heard them beating prisoners in cells down the corridor with chains, throwing limp bodies against the walls like bags of rice. One guard, a man named Hatem, was particularly furious with Graith. One of the guards came raging in and he was shouting, we'll kill you all, we love this regime. He was talking to me and he was saying, it's all of you journalists, it's because of you, there is no uprising. The guards became more agitated as the revolution gained strength. Soon, the rebel forces were right outside the prison. There was one day, I was in the small cell, we heard a battle outside the gates of the prison. 
Kalashnikovs and then heavy machine guns firing from a few meters away from the walls of my cell. And then suddenly there was a moment of hope that, okay, the rebels have won, they've taken over Tripoli and they're coming here to release us. All the prisoners in the cell, they kind of like start shouting, Ya Allah, oh my God, and victory, and, and then the battle ends. The battle ended, the rebels were dispersed, and Graith was still in his cell. And that was, you know, a real moment of, of depression. He was stuck in the prison, stuck with Gaddafi's loyal guards. So he decided he would try to understand his captors, particularly the man named Hatem who loved Gaddafi so deeply and hated journalists like Raith. I might as well try to understand this this officer. He was tall, dark-skinned, wearing glasses, and we would stand and we talk to each other, not talking as a prisoner and a guard, but just two normal people talking. I knew two things about him only, that he, as a security officer, he's not scared of the rebels. And he said he had a kids and a family. So these are the tiny little personal details I knew about him. For two long weeks, Raith lived in a dark little cell, talking to Hatem through a grate in the door. And then one day he was told he would be freed. His newspaper, The Guardian in Great Britain, had negotiated his release and managed to get him on one of the last flights out of Libya. Four months later, the rebels finally took the capital. This is the moment so many Libyans have been waiting so long to see. And it is over. The rebel forces and their supporters now running freely. The day Tripoli fell, Graith called his editor. He wanted to return to Libya. There was one man he wanted to find, his former guard, Hatem. Graith made his way back to the capital and with a little investigating, tracked down Hatem's house in a suburb of Tripoli and knocked on his door. I looked at his house, he opened the door, and it was very funny, it's like meeting an old friend. And seriously, it was like meeting an old friend. There was this point of, uh, can I call it camaraderie? He started laughing, and how are you, and how have you been, and how did you find me? And it's very, very, very strange feeling. I realized at that moment why I was trying to find the officers again. In a way, it's a vindication. Look at me, I was a blindfolded prisoner in a tiny little cell under your mercy. Here I am back as a man standing in front of you. We are equal. Then we drive around Tripoli and we go have dinner. We have fish on the sea. And in driving around the captured capital as the sun began to set, they were stopped over and over at rebel-controlled checkpoints. And... Graith noticed something about his former guard. Every time we approached a rebel checkpoint, he would really tense up, eyes kind of squinting and pursing his lips, forcing a smile on his face and forcing himself to be polite. It's like the big cycle. Here's a guy who only a week earlier would have put all those guys in jail in a cell. People would be shivering in front of him. Here is this man kind of driving around Tripoli like a scared cat. He understood Hatem's fear. Graith had spent some time that week with the newly victorious rebels. I went out with the rebels. They raided the houses. People would be screaming, scared. 
And I was thinking how easy can people change from being the victims to becoming the victimizers, from the oppressed to become the oppressor. In the courtyard of his former guard's house, drinking tea amid a city still smoldering with civil war, Graith found himself walking a curious line. When Saddam Hussein was first toppled in Iraq, Graith thought all of Saddam's supporters should be punished. But then he learned better. You know, after the regime change in Iraq in 2003, I was such an airhead. I was like, oh, all of you people who serve Saddam Hussein, you deserve to go to Siberia. And then I learned how stupid that was. And I learned how much you pay for an idea like this. It's these ideas that created basically the civil war in Iraq. Sitting with Hatem, I did feel sympathy for the guy. It's very easy for me as a journalist trying to cross into Libya and see the black and white. And then when you come there and you see the former rebels behaving like oppressors, who is to say, Mr. Hatem, you're an evil person and you should go to jail. Where is the black and where is the white? So then suddenly everything is different shades of grey. Thank you very much, Gaif, for sharing your story with the SNAP. Now, listeners should know that Gaif has now been kidnapped in Libya, Afghanistan, and Iraq. And we appreciate it, Gaif, but be careful out there. Thank you very much. That story was produced by Anna Sussman. And we're going to have links to Gaif's remarkable reporting on our website, snapjudgment.org. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.